Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just raise our hands and thank Him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the anointing of God. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for the spirit of prophecy. Thank you, Lord, that you're revealing to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that heavenly assistance, Lord. Thank you for it in the name of Jesus. We glorify you. Lord, we magnify you. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Isn't that good? Amen. Thank God for him. I got a glimpse over into some things today. I, I tell you, I just don't know. But I got a glimpse and I saw some things. We have turned, we talked about transition, that word transition, but there, there is a transition. But how you transition, it makes a difference. You know, you just don't go anyway and embrace anything that comes along. You don't want to thwart the plan of God. In almost every move of God in times past, and I say it not to attack anybody. You never say things to attack anybody or put anybody down or any generation or any people group. But you say things to protect the flock. That's what the Lord told me because, you know, I, I want to be a nice fella just like anybody else. I want to be liked just like anybody else. I don't want to be what you call a hard-nosed, hard line, anybody else. But you still got to tell the truth. And the Lord said, son, he said, you're not attacking people when you say what I say. He said, what you're doing, he said, when you say what I say, you're not attacking. He said, but you're protecting the flock. That's what you're here for. That's what I placed you in that office for, to protect the flock, to protect my people. Because he said, my sheep hear my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. So we're hearing the voice of God. We don't want to hear the voice of the world or the voice of man. We want to hear the voice of God. Turn to Acts 26. That's what come to my spirit, a scripture that those that's been coming for a while would uh, be familiar with. In times past, I don't know if I read it recently or not, but uh, I might as well. But I begin to see some things in the Spirit today that we have, we have, Lord, how can you say this? Some things you just can't say, some things you can say. But we have reached a point in the church, I'm talking about the church, now the world, you know, it's going on the way it's going. The only way the church, I mean, the world's going to wake up is if the church as a whole wakes up. And, and I'm not saying that everybody in the church has got to wake up, but the church is responsible for waking up the world. We're the one that takes the gospel to the world. The anointing's not going to fall on them out there that don't want it. It's going to fall on those that's seeking God for it, and then we take it to the world. But I saw something coming today in prayer. I saw it, and again, it's hard to uh, communicate in English exactly what I saw, but I saw a mountain. And in this mountain, in fact, I had a vision, and I saw a mountain. And I don't always have visions. They become more frequent now, but uh, not like, a, you know, every day or every minute or nothing or every week. But uh, I saw a mountain. And I, I was thinking, and I said to the Lord, Lord, what does this represent? Because anytime the Lord is showing you something, you know, it has a meaning, you know. Some people are given to dreams. Some people are given to visions. God speaks to people different ways, you know. But I, I saw this mountain, but I knew that this mountain represented two things. This mountain represented the, the power of God and the church 
had been climbing a mountain, and it was a large mountain. For a while now, ladies and gentlemen, we've been climbing a mountain in the spirit. You know what I mean? We've been laboring. Those that pray, you know what I'm talking about. And of course, everybody prays, but you know, if you get in the spirit long enough, we've been laboring. I mean, laboring to the extent that this thing got laborious. But I could see this mountain. But I could also see that we're almost at the top of this mountain. Now, when we reach the top of this mountain, which we're almost there, and I can't give you a time on it because in the spirit, there's no such thing as time. But I seen that we were almost at the top of the mountain because we had been laboring. We had been climbing. Some had fallen and some had fell along the way. Some had got injured, so to speak. Uh, but uh, still, the church was climbing. And I'm not saying everybody, but the remnant was climbing, pushing forward, going forward. But I realized uh, when we reached the top of this mountain, two things would happen. It's what the Spirit of God said. Two things are going to happen when we reach this place. It's a place in the Spirit. Now, it's a place in the Spirit. It's not the natural. It's not a physical mountain. It's not a hill or a holler. It's not Hawassi, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's none of those things. It's a place in the Spirit. When we reach that place in the Spirit, that'll be the pinnacle of the outpouring of the Spirit of God, and we're almost there. And it will bring glory and blessing for those that obeyed God. But those that have turned away will fall off the other side and go back down. And they will go into a darkness like they've never seen or known. The Lord said for me to tell you, pray for the church. Pray for the church. The church needs prayer. I'm talking about the body of Christ needs prayer. Yeah, do we pray for the sinner? Yes. Do we pray for the world? Do we pray for the countries? Yes. But ladies and gentlemen, what the Holy Ghost is saying now is we better pray for the church. Amen. Jesus said to Dad Hagen, he said in, the, in the, I think what was it, September 2nd, 1950, many of my own people, remember, will not accept the moving of my spirit and will turn back and will not be ready to meet me at my coming. Now that boggles my mind. But that's what Jesus said to Brother Hagin, and Brother Hagin reported it and recorded it in the book, I Believe in Visions. And so if it's a lie, it's a whopping lie, you know what I mean? But I don't believe it's a lie. Jesus told him, he said, many of my own people will not accept the movement of my spirit and will turn back and will not be ready to meet me at my coming. I don't know. I thought it was once saved, always saved in this generation. You know what I mean? But Jesus said that. But I've seen that this mountain, we're about to reach the pinnacle. I mean the top. I don't know other words to say it. About to reach the top. We've been climbing a mountain. So those of you that's been climbing this mountain, and if you hadn't been climbing the mountain, you may be... <laughs> You may be in the wrong place, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you hadn't been climbing a mountain, if you hadn't been pressing forward, if you hadn't been facing opposition, you, you might be in the wrong place. You know what I mean? You may be in the wrong meeting. I, I don't know. But I'm telling you, there's been some opposition about the church. And all of this is about the word, it's about the outpouring, it's about the devil trying to throw it and stop the move of God because he knows his time is short. He knows it's over for him. You know, when this thing begins to wrap up, it's beginning to wrap him up too. 
Even though we know he's a doubter and unbeliever, but he's also a liar. So he's trying his best to hold this thing back. And that's why there's been opposition against the church. It's like the church here, especially for the last, let me see, 2006 especially. We've been climbing a mountain. Because in 2006, we should have been up and running. We should have been up and going. We should have been moving forward. If you remember, Dad Hagen prophesied. Was it February the 18th of uh, 2003 at Winter Bible Seminar? And, and I think he said he hadn't been in a service like that in I don't know how many years when the Spirit of God came on him and he couldn't stand because of the anointing that came on him so strong. And he said, bring me a chair, remember? And, and he sat down in that chair and he said, I'm going to sit down because I'm about to fall down. Remember that? Then we, he said, everybody pray. And he began to pray and didn't begin to prophesy. You know, he prophesied about the year of what, 2003 and 2004, 2005 and 2006. But remember about 2006, he said, my, 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 oh, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. He had a lot of my, my, my's. Oh me, oh me, he would say, oh me, my, my, my. Every time I see that. Oh, Lord, what is that? Every time I see that, oh, my, 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 my. He said, you just can't tell it. Oh, you just can't tell it. You just can't. My, 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 my. You remember that? If not, go back. He said, but in 2006, the church should have, at that time, should have moved into the glory of God. He prophesied about that. And that was what we call his last major prophecy, even though he prophesied after that, because he went home to be with the Lord, you know, later in 2003. But he prophesied about that. And, of course, we're not led by prophecies. We're led by the Word of God and, and, and by the Spirit of God. But we know that he was a prophet of God that stood in the forefront of the prophet's ministry in his day. But not only was he a prophet, he was an apostle, a sent one to his entire generation. He said, how do you know that? I personally talked to him about it myself, just a few weeks before he moved to heaven. He and I sat down and we talked. We discussed these things because I had seen some things about him and I wanted to make sure that I did not get it wrong. But he was not just a, a, a prophet, he was an apostle, a sent one to his entire generation. God gave him that place in his words and that's why his ministry spread around the world. God, God done that for him. But anyway, he prophesied about 2006 about how glorious it was supposed to be. But it was about that time that the false doctrine landed upon our shores from another country. It came in book form first, then it came in video form next, and then it came on TV form, and everybody swallowed it, we would call in the country, hook, line, and sinker. Everybody believes in the grace of God, you understand? But any, any Bible doctrine or truth taken to the extreme becomes error. So the grace of God began to be taught on a level that no church father or mother in the faith had ever taught it like that. If you begin to hear something that no mother or father in the faith had ever taught before, you better look out. You better watch it right there. And so this, this, this special grace that you could live any kind of way you wanted to, do anything you wanted to, act any way you wanted to, and it's all right. God loves everybody and everybody's going to heaven anyway, regardless, you know. Well, that's what happened. And that's, that particular doctrine, false doctrine, is actually a doctrine of the devil. 
If you want to know the truth, it's a doctrine of the devil. Because it disagrees with the word of God. And the individual that, that espoused this and promoted this actually had to say that certain scriptures in the Bible was not written to us so that it would fit the doctrine because it disagreed. The Word of God actually disagreed with what was being preached by this individual. And now many individuals, many, many individuals took this up because it was of Satan to thwart this move of God. So it started the church climbing a mountain. I'm talking about those that wanted to go on with God. Because they begin to say, I remember when I first went in to where some of this was, well, I, where I was first kind of introduced into, I was in a, a church. I have to be careful how I say things because I'm not attacking anybody. But I remember when uh, I went into a church that had embraced this partially, that had been a Holy Ghost church, had been a, a church of renown, a church that actually ministered all over the world. But I remember when at first I became aware of this and how this had slipped into that church. And uh, actually, the pastor even said some things to me about it, and I'll not go into that. But uh, the first thing I thought was, in my mind, is don't they know that this is not right? Don't they know that this is not of God? Don't they know that this is a counterfeit move trying to thwart the true move of God? The devil is a counterfeiter, ladies and gentlemen. He's a counterfeiter. And he tries to get us to embrace those things that are false. Because if you ever embrace the false, you'll never have the real. Because you say the false is real. You understand what I'm talking about? So the devil will bring a counterfeit. You know, he's got something counterfeit for words of knowledge and words of wisdom. It's called familiar spirits. I mean, people operate in occultic powers. And they can tell you things and say things to you that are true. But they know them by the powers of darkness. So, this, uh, when this, I saw this happen in this church, and some other friends of mine were there, and, or had visited and saw the church. Even these people saw. But the first thing that they said also was, don't they know? This is not the right way. I mean, all you had to do, you don't have to be super spiritual. You just had to know the Holy Ghost. That's all it is. But it's new in my spirit that this is a counterfeit move. This is not the way that we go. This is not the way that God has taken the church. This is what the devil's trying to do to get us off the path of God. And no doubt that we were hungry. No doubt that the church was hungry. But that don't mean that we embrace and take, it, take anything that comes along. We're to wait in the presence of God until he shows up. He told, uh, Jesus told him in Acts chapter 1. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. How long did they tarry in Jerusalem? How long were they supposed to tarry? They were supposed to tarry until. So how long do we seek God? Until. We don't embrace anything. We accept the word that God said. And God said there's an outpouring of the Spirit of God that would take place in this generation. And we're not going to embrace anything else until that takes place. Let me encourage you with what you already know. You already know this. 
Cultural trends of society are not moves of God. But you'll find approximately 85% of the church world in a cultural trend of society. What they've done is they've taken what the world is doing to attract people and they've brought those devices into the church. It's like my pastor friend back here was telling me today that a lot of churches have become theatrical shows. And it's the truth. And I'm not belittling anybody, but it's just the truth. In fact, the first time I walked into a church that it went this way, I thought that I had become unborn again. And I was back in the nightclub again. I'll be honest, I'll be honest, I'll be honest. I was looking for ZZ Top to come out of the smoke. I ain't lying. Don't look at me, Brother Tom. You've been there. I mean, I'm telling you. He was probably singing for ZZ. Ain't no telling. <laughs> I'm looking for somebody to come out of the woods. I thought, my God, what's happened to me? What's going on around here, you know? And again, I don't say it to attack. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you the truth. That is not anything to do with God or the Holy Ghost. And when you think about those man-made items that are brought into the church... To replace the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you got to give somebody something. Do you know what I mean? When you bring those things in, what are they for? What are they, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to get people's attention. Well, what if people's not looking at them? Because they're not supposed to be looking at them. They're supposed to be worshiping God. Well, if they're not looking at them and they're worshiping God, you don't need them anyway. Save your money. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? That's the truth. You don't need them. Because what are they there for? They attract attention. That's what they're there for. They get your attention. And again, not attacking. But I'm just telling you the truth. I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost tonight. I saw the mountain. I saw the other side of the mountain. And we're about to reach a pinnacle on the mountain. The church has been climbing a mountain since 2006. What I'm saying is those that's been seeking God. Because we went through some tough places. We went through some rough places. I mean, I, I, you know, I've, I've been there where the people said to me, you're crazy, you're out of your mind, you're missing the move of God. You're not going the right way. And I just said, you know, in one of my meetings, you're down in Broken Air, some of you were there. Remember, I just started walking down the aisle right in the midst of them. Remember that? Remember I was walking down the aisle and I said, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. Why? Because I'm not going to embrace a cultural trend of society. I don't know a whole heap. But I know the Holy Ghost, amen? Thank God. I know the Holy Ghost, and I'm not going that way. So I just walked down the midst of them. I noticed I ain't seen them since, but I wasn't against anybody. But I just let them know there ain't no need to woo me no more. I done been wooed by the Holy Ghost. I'm betrothed to somebody else. So don't woo me or try to date me anymore. Sorry, honey, I'm talking in spiritually things, you know what I mean? Because that's what's going on. And if you're a minister of the gospel, you know what I'm talking about. The pressure's on you right now to compromise. Oh, lighten up, you know. Lighten up. No, we don't need to lighten up. We need to get heavy in the Holy Ghost. Because we're climbing a mountain and this job is done in the spirit. It's not done in the natural. And I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't have a nice looking church. Jesus told Brother Hagin, that the, the uh, church ought to be the most beautiful building in town. So there's nothing wrong with that, having good things and nice things and all of that, we're for it. 
But we want to make sure that as we're going along with God, that we go in the right direction, that we don't disobey the Holy Ghost, and we don't offend the Holy Ghost, and we don't grieve the Holy Ghost. So I saw the mountain, and I saw two things, remember, in that mountain today. That the mountain represented the mountain that the church has been climbing, especially since 2006, especially since there's other false doctrines that's been introduced. But that mountain represented the church has been climbing a mountain since 2006. But I knew that we was about to reach the top of it, and it was pretty tall. About to reach the top, but I realized when we reached the top, that's where the glory was showing up in its fullness. Even though we've had sprinklings of it, the glory was going to come to reside, to abide. That's what it's coming for. And, but when we reach that point, because other people will be going with us, people that did not climb the right way, that did not seek God, that did not pay the price, when they get there, they're still going to be in darkness and they're going to walk on and they're going to miss God and they're going to go back down in the valley. And once they go back down in that valley, there's no way out. God is a merciful God. He is. But there comes a time that He, don't, he won't put up with foolishness no more. You know, especially when it comes to obeying what He said do. You know, Dad, Hagen, I don't know how we forget these things. And of course, you wouldn't forget them. But you remember Dad Hagin's heart stopped on that Sunday morning to listen to a pat pastor preach because he got out of the will of God and fell flat on his face in the floor and he was dying because he got out of the will of God. And they took him over to the, uh, uh, took him over to the, uh, what, the parsonage, the house next door the pastor lived in. Laid him on the bed and there was another preacher there and there was laying hands on his heart, you know. Oh, and it wasn't even beating or nothing. And said, he said, go get my wife. Because he knew, he knew she had a part to play in this. And he went because he'd come off the road. Because he'd, God had called him to go out there and travel. And he didn't want to do it. The price was, he thought was too great. He wanted to stay home with his family. He wanted to stay there with his children. He wanted to stay with his wife. He had it good at the church. So he didn't want to go out there and do what the Lord said do. But he knew he had to obey God. And then he got out there and decided, well, this is too hard. And he counseled all these meetings, I think, except one that he had coming up. And he was going to try out for a church that was going to pay him good money, remember? Pay him good money. He was going to float through life on flowery beds of ease. And it was going to be the best he'd ever had. But he fell flat on his face. And he said the Sunday school lesson that morning, I think, was about Moses disobeying God in the wilderness. <laughs> he said he was an expert at disobeying because he had just got through doing it, you know. And that was his own testimony. But when he fell out on the floor, I mean, things began to change then. And so they laid him on the bed. He, they ran and got to Miss Aretha, Mom Hagen. And because she was already, already gathering her items and purse and everything up because she knew in her spirit something was wrong. And they rushed him over there. And when she got into the room where he was at, she fell down beside the bed, you know, and started praying out to God and repenting and said, God, I realize now. I realized when I was washing the dishes a while back, I was grumbling and complaining because I had to stay home while he's out on the road. And it was tough, especially in those days. Oh, my Lord, Brother Hagin paid a price for you and I. I'm here to tell you. He paid a price. He paved the way for us. He made it a lot better for us. Thank God for that, Hagin. Amen. And many others like him, you know, that led us down this road of ease that we got now compared to what they had. 
But she had been complaining because she was having to raise her kids by herself, do all the chores by herself, you know, and get everything and take care of the bills and all that kind of stuff. And he's gone on the road, you know, three, four, five, six, eight, one time, nine weeks preaching, you know, before he can get back home. And she fell down because she had heard this voice while she was washing the dishes because she was grumbling and complaining. And she heard this voice say to her, I could take him where he'd never come back. But she didn't equate anything to it at the time. It kind of made her wonder. But she realized when he was laying there on that bed about to die, she fell down beside him. Said, God, said, if you'll let my husband live, she said, I'll never complain again. I'll never say one word about where you send him or what you want him to do. Lord, I'll not complain. I'll not grumble. I'll not gripe. Lord, let my husband live. Brother Hagin said she repented, then he repented for disobeying God, saying it was too tough, and the power of God come on him, and he jumped up and danced all through the house. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, when we get to the pinnacle of this mountain, we're about there. These things are going to be happening in quite a number. Because it's not God trying to hurt people, it's God trying to get their attention. If you won't listen to God and be obedient to the Holy Ghost, He will permit. He don't do evil. He don't do evil. But He'll permit something to happen to wake you up. Just like He did with Dad Hagen. He didn't want Dad Hagen to die. He had to work for him. Most of us, I dare say, would not be here today. We would not know each other today, put it like that. Had he died right then, we wouldn't be here. So he had a work to do. He had a work to start in this earth and a work that had to be finished. He was going to start it, but those that would come up underneath him would finish it and usher in the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. So what did I say? What did you tell me to turn to? Acts 26. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord is with us tonight. We've climbed the mountain. We're almost at the top. This is the Apostle Paul talking to King Agrippa, giving his testimony. He was talking about his calling and about the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus. There in Acts chapter 26. And this is towards the latter end of Paul's ministry and the latter end of Paul's life. Not the end, but towards that end. In other words, he'd been serving God for years. And this is a verse that's become just one of my favorite verses because the Lord just really drilled it into me. I don't know, several years ago. Acts 26, 19, Paul told King Agrippa after he gave him all the testimony about the calling on his life and what Jesus told him to do. In Acts 26, 19, he said, Whereupon, or because of what I just told you, O King Agrippa, he said, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. There's a difference between man's vision and the heavenly vision. There's a difference between cultural trends of society and moves of God. But because people didn't want to wait on God, people don't want to pay the price, because there is a price to pay. I said there is a price to pay. Thank you for your enthusiasm. But there is a price to pay for the things of God. But there's a price to pay. Because people didn't want to wait on God, they begin to come up with other kind of methods and then the key 
uh, keynote word of a lot of the church world became this word. There's a paradigm shift. Yeah, the paradigm, you know, I don't even know what it means. And for, for a long time, I thought, what in the world are they talking about? But it become the buzzword. There's a paradigm shift going on. Well, I'll get you a pair and get a dime. And you got a paradigm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Isn't that right? But, you know, a paradigm shift. In other words, there's trends. There's changes taking place. And you better get in this paradigm shift. You better do it. And I said, I'm not looking for a pair or a dime. I'm looking for the Holy Ghost. And I'm not moving. You know, you can call me washed up. You can call me old fogey. You can call me old-fashioned. You can call me old school. But I'm staying with the, the Holy Ghost. Because I know in the end, that's what's going to put me over. That's what's going to cause us to rise to the top. That's what's going to take us to the top of this mountain. And so many in the church world have embraced through seducing spirits, because we're talking about seducing spirits, have been. Seducing spirits brought this uh, counterfeit move of God into the church world in 2006. The Lord asked me a question one day. You know, He's very intelligent. It's amazing what He knows. Because I was meditating upon these things and giving myself wholly to it, you know. Meditating upon the word about the, this because some of my friends were really putting the pressure on me, you know. Good friends, still friends today, don't get me wrong. I'm not against anybody. They were really putting it on me, you know, about, you know, you're missing God. You know, you, 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 you're, you're washed up. Yeah, man, you better watch it. You, 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 what are you doing? Where are you at? Where are you going? You know, wanting me to get in, you know, in grace and, and all that. Of course, I preach grace. I believe in grace. My God, if it weren't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. I leap tall building with single bound, outrun speeding bullets. I never stopped a locomotive with one hand like Superman, but I mean, the grace of God has been with me over the years. But this is what the Lord said to me that was so profound. You know, He can just make you ask a question or make a statement, and it just revelation will go off. And He said, Now, He said, if this that they're promoting about the grace of God, I'm talking about the false grace, we know there's a true grace of God. It's not error. We understand that. And we believe in that. We preach that. God loves us. You know, if you slip and fall, God will forgive you. You know, thank God for that. But he said this to me. He said, this started in 2006, right? I said, yes, Lord, that's when it started in our nation. It really took hold. I mean, it might have been around a little bit, but it really took off and started in 2006. In fact, if you don't know the truth, it set the stage for the presidential election in 2008. And it doubly set the stage for the presidential election in 2012. If we hadn't had what happened in 2006, we wouldn't have had the election, we wouldn't have the president we have today. Thank you for getting excited about it. But it's the truth. It set people up. People begin to drop their guard. But the Lord said this. Again, asked me a question that turned out to be so profound. He said, If this grace was truly of me, why is it that you have more problems now in the church and in the world than when it first started? He said, If this was of me, he said, wouldn't it have solved problems instead of caused problems? Since 2006, you go back and count the murders and the robbings and the killings that's been going on. 
If this grace message would have truly been from God, people would have been getting saved, not killing one another. Thank you for getting excited about it. You need to think about it. The Lord knows everything. If it was truly of God, wouldn't things be better, not worse? Wouldn't the church be closer to God, not further away from God? Wouldn't people be living more in holiness instead of living like a sinner? Wouldn't they? If it was truly a move of God and truly a doctrine of God? Well, the Lord knows it, and yes, that's right, they would. I mean, so you don't, I mean, after you hear the intelligence of the Lord, I mean, that just settles the matter right there. Dad Hagen would say it this way, the proof of the pudding is in the eating of it. In other words, if it was truly from God, why didn't it affect change for the better? If it was truly of God in 2006, why are we in the mess we're in today? Hey, you're going the wrong way. You're believing the wrong thing. Get back to the truth of God's Word. Get back to preaching God's Word. Get back to the doctrines of God's Word and let's go on in the name of Jesus. So as we make this transition, as we go on with God, let's go the right way. Don't embrace cultural trends of society. And I know the pressure's on. And I'm not saying go attack anybody or do anything like that, but don't embrace cultural trends of society because that is what's taken over the church because the church don't know what to do. They're lost without God. And many people don't spend enough time with God to know the Holy Ghost anymore. So the only thing they can do is adapt to ways of the world that's been brought into the church. And they're looking for some kind of new way, some kind of new thing, some kind of new item to get the people to come. But the Bible tells me in the book of Acts that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. As the church obeys God, and that doesn't mean that we don't do things, you understand that. But when you got the Holy Ghost on your side, the Lord on your side, He can bring things to pass that no man could ever bring to pass. We don't need any lotion or potion to do it. We can go on with God in the name of Jesus. So as we go forward and obeying God, because it's just a little ways yet. We're not quite there. There's a little ways yet that we're going to reach the, the top of this mountain, the pinnacle of this mountain. And when we do, the glory is going to come, it's going to reside. You know, and I hesitate to share it, but we're going to get into those things. And Dad Hagen prophesied it, so we'll just get in trouble with him. Because I saw this too. You know, it talked about Philip being translated. The power of God is going to be so strong during that time that there's going to be supernatural translations. Raising the dead is going to be nothing. I mean absolutely nothing. The miracle power of God is going to flow in a supernatural way. I mean it's going to be commonplace. Isn't that right? Thank God. Just grab a hold to Him and go. Isn't that right? We're going on with Him. Raise him from the dead. Let's go. Because I've been down that road. You've heard my story. Grab an old friend by the overhauls and he didn't, he didn't move. But in this move that's going on, in this glory that's coming, this glory that's right upon us, it's like it's right here now. Because when you get in the spirit, you can see it. You know what I mean? Almost. You can get a glimpse of it. And you'll think, well, I'm already there. But the anointing is coming upon us. And we're going forward in a brand new way.
And there are those that are sitting here tonight. I mean, in this service tonight, and I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost, that you've been paying a price. That you've been, so to speak, climbing that mountain. And it's been tough. And it's been rough. But you're going to see that the glory of God is going to break out upon you and upon your people and upon your church. And you're going to break out in your community and you're going to reach the harvest in your area and wherever God will send you and you're going to see it come to pass. At last, at last, at last. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our time. I know it seems like the time of evil, but it's the time of the church. And the Lord is with us, and the devil is not going to put it out. Father, in the name of Jesus, just stand to your feet right now.